good to see uh, so many of you being involved in, uh, in lighting up, uh, putting the light back on the cross again. As we think about a weekend like this, Children's Church, perfect. Um, yes, as we think of a weekend like this, we have Children's Church. If you are between the ages of two and six, then you want to head on out to the back, and uh, there's going to be Children's Church for you downstairs, and we want to bless you and encourage you as you spend that time together down there. Thank you also to the leaders who give uh, selflessly of their time and energy to uh, be a part of that. All right, let me start again. Back up a little bit. Uh, as we think about a weekend and walk through a weekend like this, um, I, I recognize and am drawn again to the fact that uh, humanity has uh, one big problem. And, uh, and humanity seems, it seems as though humanity just cannot fix this one major problem that humanity has. We actually have had many smaller problems that we've worked at over the years, and some of them we've found ways to solve and fix, and, and others we've found ways to deal with. But no matter how hard we've tried, there's this one, this one problem that humanity cannot seem to find a solution to. We have simply not been able to solve it. As brilliant as we've become, and as knowledgeable as we are, and, and as much scientific research as we've done, uh, we just have not been able to solve the problem uh, of death. We, we've worked at it hard. We've, um, we've, we've fought at it. In fact, as I've used that word fight, maybe the, the word problem isn't even quite big enough for this, uh, this thing, this problem. Uh, the Bible calls it our, our enemy. Death is our enemy. Death is humanity's enemy. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about that. Romans chapter 8 uses slightly different terminology. In Romans chapter 8 it talks about all of creation being in, in bondage to decay. Uh, and, and if we put those two together they actually mean the exact same thing. Humanity has this problem. The earth has this problem, this, this enemy. Creation has this, this enemy that we're fighting against that we do not know what to do with. This, and this enemy we're fighting is, is a universal one. We're collectively, all together, generally speaking, there's, there's not a single culture out there or people group out there in the world that has said, you know what, it's no big deal, we're just going to embrace it. We're just going to embrace this thing called death. All people everywhere, all of creation everywhere, uh, they're fighting against this, this enemy that's out there that we just can't seem to find a solution to. In 2017, uh, total health expenditure in Canada reached $242 billion, or the equivalent of six thousand six hundred and four dollars per person in Canada and then there's a number that I don't even really know how to exactly process but apparently on an annual basis in our world or in the on this earth we spend 6.5 trillion 
dollars on health care. Why am I saying that? Because it's $6.5 trillion that we are spending annually to fight against our bondage to decay. $6.5 trillion around the world spent on an annual basis fighting against our biggest enemy, our biggest problem, death. And we've made a few headways. Uh, certainly, we've, we've been able to kind of push back a little bit on this, on this problem, on this enemy, with surgeries and, and meds and chiropractic and herbs and cleansing and minerals and, and magic potions and, and bathing in fountains of youth. How many of you have gone and bathed in a... Well, you don't have to confess to that here today. How many of you knew, you don't have to confess to this either, by the way, that actually the country of Hungary is known for having the richest geothermal sites in the world. The country of Hungary is home to more than a thousand hot springs that provide more than 70 million liters of water every day, waters that are rich with natural healing properties, properties that can't be found anywhere else in the world, and I'm selling vacation packages to Hungary. The ancient Romans first experienced the wonderful healing properties of Hungary's thermal springs and several 16th century bathhouses are still being used today. All of this for the purpose of fighting against our bondage to decay. All of this for the purpose of fighting against this enemy that we don't know how to solve, this problem that we don't know what to do with, Called, called, called death. By the way, maybe you've heard about this couple uh, that lived to a very ripe old age. I don't know actually what that means, ripe old age. Forget that. Uh, they, they lived till they were well along in years. And, uh, and then they passed away very much at the same time. And they came and they walked into heaven together, awed by its incredible Peaceful beauty, no words can describe it. And the man, and they, and they begin reveling in this new surrounding where all is peace and joy and love, and the man can't help himself. He turns to his wife and he says, And just think, honey, we could have been here 10 years ago if you hadn't fed me all that health food. <laughs> and we, we kind of know that that's true actually. But we still keep fighting because we are wired to live. We, we are wired with a, with a deep-seated awareness that death is our enemy. It has been our enemy ever since the Garden of Eden. We've been fighting this enemy ever since the Garden of Eden. And I'm not for a minute dissing this fight. It, it, it sounds silly to even say it, but our very survival as a people depends on this fight. We've got to keep fighting. However, despite humanity's greatest efforts, all of it being poured into this fight against death, it continues to hold us in its grip. We continue to be subservient to it, and we can't get out of it. 
as the old saying goes, and in a sense, I guess it's in keeping with the season. There's only two things that are certain in life. Death and taxes. And so Paul devotes 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Many of you know that we've been in the book of 1 Corinthians for the last uh, several weeks. Paul devotes 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to talking about this problem and explaining that there is actually, there is actually an answer. And so on our way to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, let's just make a quick stop in Romans chapter 5 because Romans chapter 5 verse 12 does a masterful job of clarifying our problem, telling us how it all started, where it came from, what the problem really is. And so let me highlight Romans 5 verse 12 on our way to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore... Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. And so, uh, universally, we have this, this, this death problem. And it's identified here in Romans chapter 5, where and how it came. If you look at verse 14, still in Romans chapter 5, it, it, it says, death reigned. From the time of Adam. And over and over this has become so clear to me. As you look around here on this earth. Death reigns. Death is in charge. It just simply is. And apart from two Old Testament miracles that we read about. And of course Jesus. Every single human being that has ever lived has succumbed to this enemy. Conservative estimates would say that the score is somewhere around 10 billion to three. I'd say death reigns. Death is in charge here. Death has us in its grip. Death is the winner. We are in bondage to decay. And those, ver those, uh, those words come out of Romans chapter 8 verse 21. Creation was subjected to frustration in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Death frustrates us. Our bondage to decay frustrates us. We want it to be different. We don't want death to be the ultimate winner. Again, we can take a lesson from humanity in general. Nearly every culture and people group has some view of life after death. Because, because universally, we do not like the idea that death would be the ultimate winner. We, we, just, we just cannot accept that fact. It can't be. And so it, it doesn't really matter who the people, almost generally speaking again, it, it hardly matters who the people are or what their exact belief system is. But when somebody passes away, people make comments something like, well, now they're up there looking down or, or they've gone to a better place or, or they are an angel now. Someday we will see them again. And, and all of these comments are made because universally we cannot accept the fact that death could be the winner. It just can't end this way. It can't be. And so we, we need to believe, we need to think something about two weeks ago. 
tragedy struck an NHL star, Eric Carlson, and his wife. Uh, they lost their unborn baby about a month before their due date. And this kind of hit the, the sports world, and, and people were, of course, tweeting and sending their condolences. And, and when they finally stepped forward, Eric Carlson and his wife, uh, they made a public statement, and this was what their public statement says. Uh, this was going to be their first baby, and, uh, and it was going to be a boy, and here's what they said. We feel very lucky to be Axel's parents. Even though he was stillborn, we know we will hold him again one day under different circumstances, and the joy he gave us will be with us forever. Those types of sentiments are very, very common when humanity walks through those kind of circumstances. And by the way, I'm making absolutely no judgment statements in either direction about this uh, star hockey player, Eric Carlson, his wife, and, and, and where they're at in their faith journey. I actually have no idea. I'm just using that as an illustration of generally how humanity speaks when we find ourselves in confrontation with confronting death. And so when we are confronted with death, we are convinced that there is more to life than this life. This can't be it. There has to be more. Death cannot be the winner. The interesting thing is that I think it's fair to say that humanity has come to the realization that although we will likely continue to find ways to delay death, I think humanity has come to the realization that we will actually never be able once and for all to defeat that greatest of all enemies that we face here on earth, uh, which is death. And so at, at, at all levels, I think, I think I'm safe to say that humanity has accepted the fact that if death will be defeated... It will have to be something supernatural. We won't ever be able to get it done here on earth. Uh, I, I think I'm safe in saying humanity has accepted that, for the most part, has accepted that fact. It will have to be something supernatural, something out of this world, something that we can't exactly describe or explain. And I think if anyone would stop long enough to think it through carefully and would be willing to make an objective conclusion, the conclusion would have to be something like this. If death will be defeated, it will have to be done by the creator of life. I think that would be the natural, objective conclusion. If death will be defeated, then it will have to be done by the creator of life. Whoever came up with this idea of life to begin with in the first place, whoever is the origin, wherever the origin of life lies, if death can ever be defeated, it will have to be done by the origin of life, the creator of life. And we'd like to make it much more personal, and of course we can and we do. Uh, but that's exactly what happened on the first Easter weekend. And that's what we still celebrate on Easter Sunday morning. The defeat of our greatest enemy, death. And so Paul decides to take the better part of chapter 15 here in 1 Corinthians to talk about that. And I'm just going to take a minute to break that down a little bit so that we can kind of package it in a way that it can go with us, I trust, I hope. Uh, and so the first thing that Paul does here in this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
is uh, emphasized for us, for his readers, how foundational this is to being a Christian. This idea of Jesus being raised back to life, how, how foundational that is for being a Christian. Listen to what he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, and just into verse 2. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, here's the foundation part, and on which you have taken your stand. Uh, on which you have taken your stand. So there's something solid here on which you've decided that here is the spot where I am going to plant myself and I'm going to be willing to stand on this. By this gospel, you are saved. It's kind of like Paul saying, okay, okay, listen up. You know, throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, you have asked me a whole bunch of questions about Christianity, about life, about how life works, about how things work in the church. You've asked me all kinds of questions and I've tried to answer them and I've come up with all kinds of explanations about how Christianity works and how church works, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, how you should live, how you shouldn't live. But now hang on a second. Before we're done with this book, with this letter, before we're finished, let me be very clear about something. All of that stuff that we've talked about, all of that stuff is actually kind of periphery in a sense. Because remember, hang on, remember, all of that is dependent upon where you stand in your faith. All of that is dependent on whether or not you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There has to be something much more solid, and so he, he breaks it down, right down to the basics, and he says, this is it. Check verse 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is it. That is what this all boils down to. And all that other stuff, important stuff, absolutely, remember it, take note of it, think about it, work with it. But this is the foundation right here. And then he goes on in verses 12 to 34, and he, he makes several statements that start with words something like this. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then... And so he makes several statements about how futile Christianity is or their faith journey is or any faith is if, in fact, the resurrection from the dead is not reality. Our preaching is useless. We are false witnesses. Your faith is futile. See, when Paul writes this, um, it's a different time frame there is actually, when he writes this, there's actually no disagreement over the fact that Jesus had lived and that he had died. It was a given fact in their history. It would be like, like us arguing about whether or not Winston Churchill has ever lived. Well, I, no, I've never seen him, but I, I could probably take you to somebody that somewhere in the world that has seen him. It's all over our history books. We don't argue about it. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was reality. 
And that's how they feel about the historical fact of Jesus. Whether or not Jesus had ever lived and Jesus had died, that was a given. It's, I could take you to somebody who saw him die. The question is, did he rise again from the dead? That is what your faith stands on. That is what you are saying when you embrace Christianity. Everybody knew that he had died on a Roman cross. Of course he did. I think it's actually fair to say that that is not just historical fact back then. I think, uh, generally speaking, I like that. That always bails me out uh, when I use that term. Generally speaking, uh, I think there is every true historian, even today, would agree with the fact that back in around A.D. 30, there was some historical figure by the name of Jesus who lived and who ultimately died on a Roman cross. It's, it's documented all over the place in history. It's not just in the Bible. It's also in secular history. And so uh, even, uh, you know, generally speaking, true historians would embrace that. They would say, yep, that's it. The pivotal point becomes, did this historical figure, Jesus, who lived and died on a Roman cross, did he in fact come back to life again and go back up to heaven the way Christianity claims? If he did not, then Christianity is actually just another dead-end religion. If he did, could it be? Could it be if he did, then our problem, our enemy, will actually be defeated? And so there's somebody out there like Lee Strobel. Some of you have heard about him. Uh, he's written a couple different books. The first one I think that he wrote was The Case for Christ. Uh, and then the second one, or a sequel at least, that he wrote was The Case for Easter. And see, Lee Strobel was a, was a man, I, I a brilliant man. Uh, I believe if I've got the facts right, a, a journalist for the Chicago Tribune who set out to write a, a, a series of articles proving that Jesus was not uh, who he claimed to be. And as he did his research and began writing these articles, he finally came, actually, he was an atheist, and he came to the conclusion in his, in his journey of doing research, he came to the conclusion, it must be true. It must be true. And he came to the, and so he also set out to do that same kind of thing, and a significant part of that journey was, uh, uh, doing the exploration of whether or not this historical figure, whom he generally, along with the other historians, accepted to have been a reality, he, 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 he was on this journey to prove that this historical figure did not come back to life again. And as he did the research, he came to the conclusion, it's got to be true. It's got to be true. And so Christianity kind of hinges, and that's what Paul is trying to say here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Your faith stands on this. If this is true, you're good to go. If it's not true, then let it go. And in so many ways, the same question that Paul addresses is still critical for us. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? If he didn't, you're wasting your time. But if it's true then not only is Christianity valid, but then in fact humanity's biggest dilemma 
is actually solved. Then humanity's biggest enemy is actually defeated and we are simply waiting for the one who did the defeating, the creator of life, to make that complete reality for all of us in our own personal lives. Then Paul's words in Romans chapter 8 take on a new meaning and they become alive. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation to be liberated or freed from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And so Paul comes to the conclusion, yes, yes. And then he continues read, uh, writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now assuming that Jesus coming to life is in fact true, here's what that means for us. And he continues writing into the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let me just read a few of those verses in conclusion. This is what it means for us. Look at chapter 15, verse 20 to 22. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And then jump with me to the end of the chapter. Verses 54 to 55. And so, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Words that we also sang earlier in the service. And then Paul comes to the conclusion. So, because of all that, here's my concluding comment. Verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand Firm. Back to the same word that he used in verse 1. Stand. On this you stand. Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain because Jesus is alive. Amen. At this point, we want to ask the choir to come on up, and they are going to uh, sing our conclusion, our concluding songs for this morning. And so, uh, choir, just come on up. <laughs>